powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Good morning, everybody, or hello, whichever, whatever time of day you're listening to this podcast, Tony Richards, master coach and host of Better Than Before here on the C-Suite Radio Network. We're into February, the month of love. Next week is Valentine's Day. There will be a lot of purchases made for candy and flowers and greeting cards and objects of love uh, sent to that special someone. All across the world, I guess, Valentine's Day is celebrated everywhere, isn't it? So there will be a worldwide economic explosion of gifting coming up in the next several days. Today, I'm going to talk about calling someone in instead of calling them out. And also, I want to talk about the importance of family all here today on Better Than Before. We have our idioms, especially here in America which are expressions that we have developed over time. They usually rise and decline in various cultures. There are things that we say today that we didn't say in the 2010s and things we didn't say in the 2000s and things we didn't say in the 90s, things we didn't say in the 80s. One of my favorite Facebook posts, and I don't have many of those, but one of them, because I like things that are different and mind-stimulating. It's kind of hard to find those things on Facebook, but one that has gone around is what are the things that we didn't say in the 70s that we say now, or what are the things we didn't say in the 80s that we say now, which it's funny to read the things that people put on there, but calling someone out has been uh, an idiom that has developed Another one that kind of goes along with it is throw people under the bus. You probably heard that. And so calling someone out can sometimes be interpreted as throwing someone under the bus, because when you use that phrase, you're talking about pointing out someone's mistakes and you're doing it in front of other people. That's calling someone out. And that usually means that someone has judged the behavior and is confronting them about it. Calling someone out can have a judgmental, a punitive, or even shaming feeling that's associated with it when it's done. And I think calling someone out does have its place sometimes, but I think it's overused where anytime something like that happens, we apply that phrase to it. Well, did you hear uh, Frank called Bruce out in the meeting. And those of you who listen to this podcast, you want to be better leaders. You want to be better managers. You want to be better coaches because you know that the better your team does, the better you're going to do. And so there are times and places where it's a very functional behavior to have positive interaction, conflict, improvement-oriented feedback that's being given 
when the room doesn't turn into this tight where the air and the energy is sucked out and everybody gets tight in their seat, you know, you got to eliminate all that because that's usually because you've created artificial harmony among your team. In other words, as long as we don't introduce any conflict or any improvement oriented discussion into our conversation, everybody's functioning and getting along just fine. And it's artificial harmony because conflict disrupts that artificial harmony. And so constantly working to have a team that's very functional and open to improvement oriented discussion. So what if we changed our mindset on this idiom, calling someone out to calling them in on something they're doing or some behavior that they're using? And when you're calling them in, you're bringing into their conscious mind an awareness of one of two things, and, and maybe two, they go together. I don't know. But one of those things is that they have engaged in a particular behavior that's either positive or negative affecting on the team. And number two, you're introducing into their awareness that that behavior is having a negative impact on everyone and on the team. And it's culturally unacceptable. Most of the companies I start working with, a lot of them talk about the great culture they have. And they got a bunch of artificial harmony, really. And there are people from the top to the bottom that are engaging in behavior that is not culturally acceptable, but no one does anything about it. They just prefer to say, we got a great culture. You know, I was coaching a group of partners. There are four partners in a business. And I called in one of the partners in a meeting that we were having because we're trying to get the partner group, which was also the management group of this small company, trying to get them to have a very functional partnership and management team. And I called in one of the partners regarding something that they had said that I knew was hurtful to one of the other partners on the team. And I just don't think they realized the impact that the words had on the other person, but I did because I'm constantly watching body language reaction, trying to get my antenna up to get the feel for what's going on during conversation. So I just kind of said to him, I said, I don't know if you realize this or not, but that remark that you made about them went a little too far. And I think you kind of heard him that partner to his credit said, really, I didn't realize that. Do you think I should apologize to him, or do you think that would make things worse by bringing more attention to it? And I said, no, I think in the next meeting we have, because if you do something publicly, you need to retort or apologize publicly because everybody needs to see that behavior and that, number one, the behavior that was initiated is not acceptable. And number two, that we're willing to talk about it in an open setting and we are all striving to make the culture better because the better the culture is, the better overall performance the company will have. So you have to guard the climate and culture in your company like a Zen. You have to get into a Zen state of like, these are our values and 
this is the code of conduct that we are going to utilize to govern the behavioral aspects of people's performance in this company. So he says, you think I ought to apologize? And I said, yeah, well, I think an apology at our next meeting at the very beginning would be appropriate. I think he would appreciate that. And I think that would, I said, actually, I think that would help the team get closer together. So the next meeting immediately at the beginning of the meeting, he said, you know, I was joking around in our last meeting and I said this and made this joke. And I think I probably damaged the other person's name. And he said, you know, I, I'm really sorry. I apologize. I won't, I will try my best. I hate it when people say that won't happen again, because if it's a habit and it's a behavioral thing, it's very possible it can happen again. So you're better off not promising it won't happen again. You're better off just making a commitment to say, I'm really going to work on that. And I'm sorry I did it. And I'm sorry that it bothered you. The other person responded, goes, wow. He goes, I, I really appreciate that. And he goes, because it did cut me and I did think about it for a couple of days and it really bothered me. But man, I really appreciate you doing that. I just don't believe that anybody gets up in the morning and on their list that's running through their head, they're not saying, well, today I'm going to go in and I'm going to joke around and I'm really going to negatively impact other people. That's not their intention as they go to work every day. But if something's been accepted in the past, behavior that's not challenged will not change. And behavior that's rewarded will be repeated. And sometimes just by not challenging a behavior, you're actually rewarding it. Because if no one says anything, then you're approving. You will always get what you accept. And if you're willing to accept that to happen, you're approving it. You're stamping it. You're saying that it's okay. So that behavior is going to be repeated because you're actually rewarding it by not challenging it or saying anything. Calling someone in on the consequences of their behavior gives them a chance to adjust without having to get distracted. It doesn't feel judgmental. It doesn't feel punitive. The more you do it, the more it becomes a normalized behavior that, hey, we're all on this team, we're all working together, and we're all committing to calling each other in when we do things that are not good for the overall atmosphere and behavior of our team. I hope that makes sense to you. On the surface, you may not think that there's that much of a difference of calling someone in versus calling someone out. But I think in your mental state, I really do think that it makes a huge difference because it changes your intention and it changes how it's received. And you almost have to explain to everybody, look, we're not calling anybody out on this team. We're not going to use that phrase. The phrase we are going to use that's going to become part of our language with how we communicate with each other, how we run our meetings, and how we run our team is we're going to begin calling people in, calling people in. I take a lot of pride in growing up being somewhat successful in team sports, which is where I learned the basics. I mean, I had some fantastic sports coaches. I also worked within a family business. I worked for my grandfather as I was growing up. 
and I worked for my dad. I've been a former pretty successful executive growing two very successful companies, and I've been a successful entrepreneur on a couple of occasions. I've been in some wonderful personal relationships. I feel like I've been supportive of both my parents. You know, I lost my dad back this past November in 2022. Dad was a cancer survivor for a long time. Mom is a cancer survivor. Mom is adjusting to life without dad. She is going to turn 79. Yeah, 79 this coming Saturday. I've been supportive of my brother. We've had some great conversations in the last year over decisions that he's had to make on things that he's been involved with. He resigned as the coach of the baseball team we both played baseball at in high school. And my nephew, my brother's son, went there, was a fantastic baseball player, went on to play in college. So there's a lot of components of having a happy and successful life beyond your family. And at the same time, I really believe you'll be happier and more fulfilled if you can strike a balance between your work life, your personal family life, and also your extended family life. Because either or thinking always leads you down a path of having to choose one or the other. I prefer embracing both and thinking. I can have a career and a successful family life. So many people think they have to choose. They compartmentalize their life in such a way where it's an either or. I can be a great mom or I can be a successful executive. Where I prefer to say you can be a great mom and a successful executive. And both and thinking enables you to have a happy and healthy family life as well as a successful career in whatever endeavor you choose as your own. I don't know if you watched the Grammys this weekend. Shania Twain was on with her brand new Auburn hair look. I remember her life started out with her parents divorcing when she was really young. Her mom remarried, but she and uh, her new husband didn't make enough money to support the family. And Shania Twain was forced to chop wood and hunt game to try to help the home situation, try to help heat the house and, and have food on the table. She went out hunting. And when she was only eight years old, she started singing in bars to try to supplement the home's income. Her mom would wake her up at night, take her out to perform and bring her home. And she was very popular and looked like she might be headed toward a professional career. But then her mom and dad were both killed in a car accident with a logging truck. You know, she grew up in Canada. So she had to put her career on hold and she just said, I'm not going to pursue anything bigger until my brothers and my sister are able to grow up and take care of themselves. So she put her career on hold. And then once she got the kids raised, she moved to Nashville. I was in the radio business in the 90s when she came on the scene. And man, she just became an overwhelming success very quickly. You know, I like to say it takes 15 years to be an overnight success. Well, it took her a little bit longer than that. And yes, she put things on hold for her family. She started out either or I can either take care of this family or I can pursue this dream of mine to be a singer. And so she 
did the either or path, right? But in the end, she got both and. She decided, I'm going to have both family and success rather than either family or success. Sometimes it's just a question of timing. I was in a professional peer group that I started a couple years ago when COVID hit, where I meet with a group of consultants every Friday and I work with them and coach them on being better coaches and consultants and how to charge for their services is always a topic we talk about. And that is sort of environmental. Yes. I want to get to a place where I can charge this amount, but today Man, I don't have any income, so I'm not going to try to charge that. I'm going to charge this. And as I build myself up and as I build my value, then I can charge more. So sometimes it may seem like you're putting things on hold, but like Shania, like she could only handle one thing, which was raising these brothers and her sister. So she could focus then on her career. And she was so young the timing worked out so she could get both and in the end. So what's my point here? Well, I think you got to recognize your family's contribution to your success. You wouldn't even be here without your mom and your dad. They are the ones that brought you here. And while you may sometimes judge them, and I believe that we judge our parents unfairly because we have these preconceived notions of what a dad should be. And then we compare our expectations with the reality of how dad performs. We do that with mom, too. And I've always said, you know, if my mom and dad were down the street and they were just Dickie and Shirley and they weren't mom and dad, I'd see them in a completely different light. I would think they were the greatest people on earth. But because they're my mom and because they're my dad and I have expectations about what a dad should be and what a mom should be, well, they fall short. They fall short, and that's unfair, and we got to catch ourselves when we do that. We need to start with a foundation of gratitude. You know, I am here on this earth and on this planet because of them, and if for nothing else, I have to appreciate them for that, but I'm sure you can find other things to be grateful for and thankful for, and I'm just thinking you need to sit down with them and thank them, and they'll try to interrupt you. Anybody will try to interrupt you when they're uncomfortable, right? Oh, you don't have to say that. You know, well, that was our job. You know, we were your parents and we felt like we, and you got to stop that. Say, listen, you just listen to me for a second. Just let me finish. Thank them for being supportive. Talking about your significant other too, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your partner, whatever. Thank them for supporting you, putting up with the long hours you have to put in. Thank them for the extra time you have to put in when you study or when you're trying to improve. No one is successful at a a 40-hour-a-week pace. I can just tell you, 40 hours is not enough to be relatively successful. So you're going to have to put in more time, and that time has to come from somewhere. And a lot of times our family, it gets subtracted from time we could spend with our family. Thank them for, hey, the miles I've traveled or not being able to help you, you know, in some way. I appreciate you cooking or I appreciate you cleaning. I appreciate you doing the laundry, whatever they're doing. 
whatever it is. And I'm not trying to say those are things they should be doing. I'm saying notice what they're doing and be appreciative of it and be thankful for it and have an attitude of gratitude and share it with them. Thank them for being there. Thank them for loving you. There are going to be times when things are not going okay, right? There's going to be rough times. And you need to put in five to ten times more good stuff so you can get through the rough patches. Dr. Covey says it's an emotional bank account, and you don't want to be overdrawn. You need to put in more deposits than withdrawals. And you know we withdraw a lot, even when we don't mean to, or even when we don't know. Your family can be a wonderful support system for you, and you need to reciprocate. There's times where you're going to have self-doubt. We all go through it. I just went through three months of intense illness with my leg, and there are times when self-doubt starts to creep in. And I've had a couple of people who have been so supportive. They've helped me fortify myself against that self-doubt. So you need to deposit back into them, right? I sent out texts this morning just thanking people who have been there and who supported me. You got to keep these lines of communication open with your family. I was one of the worst offenders in the 90s. My gosh, I only saw my family two or three times a year. I didn't really call them that much. I was traveling, you know, a thousand miles a week. And I was just on the path of having a successful executive career. That was that was first and foremost in my mind. I'm not going to lie about it. It was. And so in the 2000s and in the 2010s, I intensified my communication with my family. And I did more things to try to show them I appreciated them because in the previous decade, I was very disconnected. So it's okay to ask for help for people. It's okay to go to those relationships and say, hey, I'm really down or, hey, I'm really going through a rough spot or I'm really starting to doubt and and let them lift you up, right? You can't just always be superhuman. There are people who are part of your family who are not relatives, Family is a term that you use for the relationships that are extremely close to you. It doesn't have to mean you got the same bloodline. So I just am trying to tell you, maybe instead of family, maybe you want to put the word community on it. You got to have a community of people. I don't know what it is, but I know you need it. Whatever you want to call that group of close, supportive people that are in relationships that you want to support and they want to support you and you enjoy each other and you care for each other, whatever you want to call that group, you need to cultivate it, pay attention to it and make sure that it's fertile and it stays viable because everybody has negative feelings and thoughts sometimes. And those thoughts from the inside are going to work themselves eventually to the outside. And it's best to go ahead and keep the thing, the thing right? Open communication, open support from those that are closest to you will always be a help in a time of need. So I'm just saying, allocate your time appropriately, carve out some time for your family, your community, your significant other, your kids, your siblings, your parents, and keep some time for yourself. Be a friend to yourself. Be the person your future you will thank you for. 
You don't have to do one to the exclusion of the other. Eliminate your either-or thinking. Engage in both-and thinking. Have time for your family and yourself. Not either-or, but both-and. Well, that's our program today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I brought value to your life. That's what I'm always trying to do every time we do one of these programs. So I appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. You can come over to our free Facebook group, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. Special thanks, as always, to our super producer, Tessa Hall. And until we visit right here again next week on the C-Suite Radio Network, I'm your host of Better Than Before, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.